Hello, my friends. You are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly, and I am your host. I'm here to share my entrepreneurial journey with you, and we'll be bringing on some amazing women who've been helping me, mentoring me, and inspiring me on how Grit and Grace helps them crush it in business, relationships, fitness, family, friends, and all that good stuff. Now, let's get started. Hello, my friends. Today, we're going to be talking about the topic of risk. And I know that we talk a lot about business and we talk a lot about goals and passion and strategy. And we discuss amazing stories of women that have overcome so many different obstacles to develop models and tools to move not only their business forward, but other women's business forward. And I think that that is incredible. And one commonality that I see across all these extraordinary women that I get to bring to this platform and and share their voice with you is that they have the ability to take risk. And it's a common theme. And it's uh, a part of taking risk is also understanding where you need to have courage to take risk. And that is, you know, that is in life and in business. And I know I talk about this a lot, this idea of courage, because I think it applies in all aspects of our daily life. We literally make decisions every day where our courage either presents itself or we allow our comfort and ease to outweigh our courage. No bueno. Just even in conversations with our families or our loved ones or friends, or even asking someone out on a date, making a new friend with a colleague that you enjoy working with. In order to really live life to the fullest and take advantage of opportunity, you have to have courage. And I say this because although I'm going to talk a lot about risk today, I really think it hinges on flexing that courage muscle. So keep that in mind as we go through this. And I believe 100% that the risk-free life is a reward-free life. Climbing new mountains, we talk a lot about failure, but climbing new mountains, you have to be willing to take risk. And I do think that we learn so much every time we fail or every time we do something that doesn't turn out the way that we expect it. And I think that that's really, really important. That is a huge part of the big picture. But I think it's only half of the picture because the other half of the picture is even with your when you're challenged with something that feels like failure to you and you put yourself out there and it doesn't work. You have to be willing to risk it again. And that definitely feels scary. But being able to take risk is hugely important. And I'm reminded of this, honestly, every day. And that's because I started my own business. And I have literally launched myself into territories of things that are truly scary. But I know that the risk is worth it. I know I might have to learn a lot in the process and I'm going to grow and I have grown. And, you know, even all of the women that you hear on this podcast, they talk a lot about how they've grown. And I'll tell you that they would have never been able to grow or get to where they are today if they weren't willing to take some risk. It's really important that we push our boundaries. And when you hear me talk a lot about that failure and imperfection and still forging ahead, resiliency is something I've just gotten good at over time. And maybe I was born with it, but if we recognize that we are absolutely in control of how we handle what comes our way in life, and yet we can't control everything that happens to us, we'll not be able to control that. But we always have a choice to control how we pick ourselves up after and how we forge ahead. More importantly, being willing to keep taking risks is absolutely the key to a fulfilling life. 
A common example of this is when a baby learns to walk. It doesn't matter if you have kids or not. If you haven't watched a baby learn how to walk before, go out and go on Google and go to YouTube and and watch it. Because when a baby learns to walk, they fall down. And a lot of times they fall down and get hurt. They bump their head and they skin up their body. But not once will you see a parent stand next to that baby and say, oh my gosh, don't do that again. It's risky. You got hurt last time. I I don't want you to walk. No, we, we don't do that. We encourage them to take that risk and try it again. So I think the kids have it right. And as we get into adulthood, we seem to get into a place where too many things got hard or difficult. We've decided that, well, wait a minute, that, that's, that's, there's too much with that risk. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm way more comfortable here. But you cannot get to the top of any mountain without some risk. And I experienced this starting my own business. And I think that that is probably what you see when you see any of the most successful company. Just think about it. Who do you, when you envision the most successful business, it can be somebody you know or somebody you know of. Do you think that they would have gotten there if they didn't take the risk to take that very first step at the start? And they probably made a ton of mistakes when they started climbing their own mountains, but they wouldn't have made it without the willingness to continually take new risks. So let's start by talking about the different personality traits or the different stages we could be at in our life, which we've all been in, that limit us from taking risk. The first one is victims. Now, I'm just going to preface this with I'm talking about a victim mentality that people have, not victims of serious heartbreak, trauma, um, and difficulties, because that's a different process where you have to overcome that. So I'm, I'm not talking about that today, and I don't want to disrespect that word, but I want you to think of victim mentality, not victims of serious trauma in their life. So life can be really devastating for all of us, even without significant trauma. But how we handle that and where we put ourselves in that position and how we move on, what space we go to is a choice. You know, it might be a long process of recovery and heck, I mean, it could be a lot of months of therapy, but we all know people who live life as a victim. They, that personality trait or that stage that we've been in, they see the world is out to get them. They feel helpless or feel like everyone else is to blame or always asking why me? Why does this always happen to me? I never, I never get this or I always, this always happens to me. You know, most of us have been there at some stage in our life. I know that I have, and we all know people that live in that victim mentality. And I'm here to tell you that it is 100% possible to change that. Add some therapy, add some deep diving into yourself internally about who you are and what that really meant and you can change it. It's possible. So whatever happened in your past, it's there. It's in your past. You can find a way out of staying in that space and turn your head in a whole new direction and become a risk taker. So again, I don't want this to be about the significant trauma you've faced in your life because I know that that's a much longer process. But if you're living in the state of this victim mentality or the poor me that everything is 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 not good for me and it always goes wrong, listen, that's not the case. You get to choose. Okay, so the second stage in life or second personality trait that stop us from taking risk are the floaters. They are focused on the present. They resist change and they're really comfortable where they are. And they don't like the idea of going out there and potentially making a mistake. It makes them feel stuck. They don't want to climb a new mountain. It's not even in their, per, their, their possibility realm to do so. 
And we want to see people come out of this because we all know floaters. I mean, if you feel like you're a floater, I would say to you to leave your couch, (laughs) definitely find a way to get out of your comfy place and go be daring and try something new. I mean, it, it could be something small. I'm not saying, you know, you decided to climb a mountain and hook a parachute on and go jump off the cliff. No, that that's not maybe where the floaters should start. Maybe it's just taking a new class or reading a new book if you don't read. Or maybe it's going to have lunch by yourself at a new restaurant because you love the food. That's something that's a little risky, sitting alone at a restaurant. I personally happen to like it because I, I like tuning in to myself and sometimes I read and I like it. I like to do that. But if you haven't done that, try it. Take a drive to a new place you've never been before. Plan that trip. Ask a guy out for coffee that you pass every day on your way to work. Find something that feels a little risky. And by risk, I mean you don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you're going to do it anyway. That really is the definition of risk, isn't it? Is that you're doing something that could potentially have negative consequences, potentially could have good consequences. You don't know. And you're not going to know until you actually do it. All right, so floaters, let's get out of our comfort space. All right, so the third personality trait or time in our life that stops us from taking risk um, is about the dreamer. They always talk about it. They always have ideas. I mean, I've been there. I actually, in my 20s, I wrote a business plan to start a bakery twice, more than once in a 10-year period of time, twice, and I never pulled the trigger. I was in a dreamer stage. I was dreaming of all these big things and, you know, and sugar plums and cakes and pies and all this yumminess because I really love to bake. But I never pulled the trigger. So that would be a dreamer stage for me. We've been there. We have a lot of things that we want to accomplish. But let me tell you something that I've learned since I started my company. If there's something that you really, really want to do and you know it's risky, you have to do it. You have to stop dreaming about it and you have to do it. In fact, my my policy is 5% planning, 95% doing. And I have adopted this and I'll tell you it has lessened my worry about taking risk. And I'll tell you that thinking about this concept of risk, I think that from when I was a kid, I was born with sort of, I'll say a natural tendency to be willing to take risk or to jump off that cliff, not really knowing what the outcome would be. And I haven't always been there, but I definitely have some really key moments in my life that I've been thinking about since considering this topic to share with you. And I'm really surprised at some of the examples that came to me. And the one that has changed the trajectory of my entire life is a big one. And I want to tell you about it because it's been in my mind a lot. And, you know, it starts from, you know, when I was in high school, I grew up in a really small town. It's in Lyons, Colorado. And for my Lyons peeps, if you're listening, I'm giving you a huge shout out. Love you guys. Love my small town girls. Um, And we had a tight-knit community. We were somewhat isolated as the city closest to us was Longmont or Boulder. And, you know, that's that's like a minimum of a 20-minute drive to get from where we lived to actually get to a city, even to do like a main grocery shopping or to, you know, see a doctor or to go to a movie. You had to travel far. None of that was in our town. And this was back in the 80s and 90s. So it was, you know, if you've been to Lyons in Colorado, it's a beautiful, beautiful town. And it's much bigger now than it was then. But it was pretty isolated. I was an athlete most of my life. And as we were growing up, many of my friends were as well. And 
When I was a junior in high school and started planning for what my future ahead would look like, I had a strong desire to play sports in college. And although I was a basketball player and I ran hurdles and track, and I set a few state records at the time, and I loved sports. But volleyball was my jam. And yeah, I know, I'm short. I'm only 5'5", five five, or, or short in, in the realm of you know, successful volleyball players. But I could jump. And I was a setter. I was a 5'5 five five setter. And looking back, you know, I, I, I think that I was pretty good at it, but I, it wasn't really just skill that made me good at it. I was definitely born with athletic capabilities for sure, but I was a hard worker and I was determined. You know, I wanted to be the best player that I could be. That, that drive was always in me. But here's the downside to growing up in a small town as an athlete, hoping for exposure to, you know, college recruiters. It just didn't really happen. You know, I haven't shared this with a lot of people over the course of my life because it just hasn't been pertinent. But when I was in like grade 10 in the beginning of grade 11, so I spent some time in Canada, so we say grade 10 and grade 11. But here, you know, sophomore and junior, I sent out hundreds of letters and demo videos to colleges around the United States. And yet back in those days, we had to send tapes and letters because there was no Internet. There was no YouTube. There was no, you know, way to press a button and share who you were with thousands of people at a time. You know, there are, in fact, platforms now where athletes can register themselves and upload videos and recruiters from across the world can just sit at their computer and find out who all the top athletes are. That didn't exist in my day. In my day, if you got recruited, it's because somebody from a college or um, a college recruiting program actually sat in the stands and watched you play. And even if you sent videos and letters, that was basically just to get them to come to step foot into your gymnasium. Nobody got selected just from watching a video or connecting on social media. It was all always that person-in-person connection. So I sent hundreds of letters and nobody responded. I mean, it was like crickets. So I thought I, I thought I was, was good enough to play and I, I wanted it really bad and I didn't really know what to do. So as I was finishing my junior year of high school and feeling like I'm not sure how to get the exposure I need, I knew that I was a small fish in a small pond and I really had no idea if it was even possible for me to compete at a higher level. So I just one day, you know, picked up my phone. Yep, those things that were still connected to the wall with that big long cord. And I called a, a, a coach that I had played for in a summer camp the summer before. And this was all of the top setter, setters in the state of Colorado came together. And this top coach trained us for a week. It was amazing. And I definitely had a really good connection with her. So I called her. And she was, you know, she was coaching at a really big school. And I asked her opinion. I explained what I wanted to do. And I told her what my fear was and how to make it possible. And she was really good. She gave me a lot of really good advice. And, you know, I'll never forget, boy, I'll never forget what she said to me. And she said to me that you can do anything that you want to do if you're willing to take some risk. And I mean, it gives me goosebumps now still thinking about it because I thought like, what do you mean risk? Like I thought she meant like risk just to get out and try out in front of college coaches or play in front of coaches. And, you know, in the course of that conversation, I realized what she meant is changing schools. And, you you know, <laughs> high school's hard. We're our, we all know we've all been there. High school is one of the most difficult times for most of us in our lives. And that was my junior year. So what she was talking about was like, whoa, to me, that would mean changing schools my senior year of high school. So it stayed with me. And I, I molded over um, just for a very short period of time. 
and and she didn't necessarily influence my choice because of course I wanted to go to the school that she was coaching because I knew her but you know in terms of like school policies and regulations she couldn't really do that she gave me advice on how to reach my goals and so what I did was you know let this little fire that she lit inside of me carry me into having a conversation with one of our gym teachers and lions. And again, for people that are from lions listening to this, Fran Six Killer. She was a previous volleyball coach. She wasn't coaching anymore, but she still worked, you know, um, at our school. She was one of the most influential women in so many of our lives. She was amazing. She was tough. She was strong. She was compassionate. And boy, she wasn't always treated very well, but she was the epitome of a woman of strength. And she's passed on now. I wish she was still here because I would love to have had this conversation with her in person. I walked into the locker room and into her office. And I want to say I had a conversation with her, but I didn't really. I just cried. (laughs) I sat down and said, this is what I'm thinking of doing. I'm scared. Don't be mad at me. What do you think? What should I do? And she listened and she listened and she didn't really smile and she didn't say a whole lot. Little did I know she was going to leave lines the next year. She didn't tell me that. I didn't know that at the time. But what she said to me was, do it, do it, just do it. And so I think that I kind of like left my body for a minute and I walked out, went home that day, called both schools, filled out the transfer paperwork, filed it. I think I actually filed it before I told my parents, you know, my parents were divorced and I called my mom and just said, oh, by the way, this is what I'm going to do. And this is why I'm going to do it. And she said, uh, okay. <laughs> and then I called my dad and said, this is what I'm going to do. And this is why I'm going to do it. And, and I need a car because I'm going to have to drive a half an hour to get to school every day. And he's like, uh, Okay. And so then I didn't really tell anybody else. I, you know, I, I knew that it was going to be a huge risk to go try out for the team at this much bigger school in Longmont. The school was called Skyline High School. I had no idea if I would make the team or not. I had no idea if I was going to make a friend or if my senior year was going to be a bust. And I even like right now, I can feel it in the pit of my stomach what that felt like. It was scary as hell. But I was also exhilarated at the thought that I had an opportunity to play volleyball in college. I didn't sit down and have this like whole risk conversation at the time. I just did it. And I didn't think through what the repercussions could potentially be and what the what the repercussions of actually succeeding could be. I just did it. So word started to spread. You know, it got out in in the town that I lived in and most of my classmates our town was small. Most of my classmates I had gone to school with since the time we were in kindergarten. They were the people I loved most in the world, and I still do. But making a change like this created ripples in parts of my life that I would have never expected. I had no idea that so many people would not support this decision. I didn't look at the picture in the sense that me going somewhere else meant that I would no longer be there. I didn't really think it would matter to anyone. But when it comes to athletics, when you go into your senior year, being an, a, one of the top athletes in your class, yeah, it was not you know widely accepted. And there was a lot of resistance. I can't tell you how many people told me that I couldn't do it. I can't tell you how many times I heard whisperings and rumors about all of the people that were going to just sit back and watch me fail. That's what they said was going to happen. I even remember once, I think it was like three or four days later, I walked into the locker room to change for a workout and um, Fran Sixkiller, who I'm, you know, who I had spoken to earlier, 
pulled me into her office and she just said, keep your head up. That's all I'm going to tell you. Keep your head up. Ignore the riffraff. I had no idea what she was talking about. But then when I walked into the locker room, a girl that I didn't know very well, but that I was sort of friends with told me that all the girls on the team had been in the locker room discussing all the ways in which I was going to fail. And I understand now, I mean, that was, they were not personally, you know, trying to be nasty to me. They were just, just, I think, surprised and shocked that I was willing to make such a change. And I think they felt left down that they were going to lose one of their teammates. And so, you know, Fran Six Killer walked out and, and, you know, corrected them and gave her opinion. And to hear that I had that kind of support amongst the resistance, you know, it did help me keep my head down. But you know what? I lost some friendships. I lost some friendships that took me years later to reconnect with. And then and then I gained a lot of supporters. A lot of people came out of the woodwork that said, hey, succeed or fail. Good for you for trying. If this is your goal for your future. Do it. So there was that balance. But I had no idea that there would be potential repercussions like that. But here's the thing. My future and my goals were what was driving me, not my 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 need to you know, change anybody else's life. It was me wanting to get to where I wanted to go. And it was the biggest risk. Actually, if I think back, it's probably one of the biggest risks I've taken in my life. And I will never fully be able to comprehend all of the things and opportunities that came my way because I did that. Because here's what happened. I tried out for the team and I made the team. I was the starting setter. We swept the whole season my senior year and we ended up winning one of the largest state championships in like a decade. It was amazing. And in the course of my time on that team, I got recruited to play for a club team that competed at a national level. And because of that team that I played on, I got exposure to be recruited to play in college. I had multiple opportunities to play in college. So was it worth it? Yeah. You know what? It was. But was it really, really hard? Yeah, it was. The people that I loved that you know, there was some disconnect in that time, you know, we we found our way back and it was all fine. But I did that not knowing the outcome. And looking back, I have no idea where, you know, what what was I 17 at the time, where the the fortitude to do that came from, you know, the few people that I spoke to before I filed the paperwork were people that I knew their opinions, I could trust their opinions. And although nobody said there was a guaranteed outcome, I took the risk. And what happened was it opened all the doors to my future came from that. I learned, you know, so much about leadership from those years at the competitive athletes that I got to work with and play with and the coaches that I that came into my life and the places that I got to travel in the United States and the people that I got to meet. It still has an impact on me today. It's definitely formed who I am. So in thinking about this topic, you know, this this whole experience of this major risk I took when I was young, something that I've done several times in the course of my life, many, many times. And it always has, you know, it always, that's the definition of risk. It always has the potential to have a downside. And that's okay. That's all right. You can handle the downside. But I know that without taking the risk, some, you, you can't, you don't have the opportunity for something great. So I'm sharing all of this with you and now I'm going to give you the seven things that I've learned that I want you to think about when you're going to take risk. Number one, do your research. Be open and willing to learn. Know there will always be adversity. So look at it from a few different angles and consider what you know 
and be willing to accept that you cannot predict the outcome, but start small if you have to. Climb a new mountain again. Listen, I have lots of references about mountains, but that's because I live in Colorado, so we climb mountains. We have mountains in front of us all the time. And you know, you may not want to go do do a 14er, (laughs) maybe not off the bat. Most people don't say, I'm gonna go climb a 14er. I've never hiked a mountain before, and I'm just gonna put on my backpack and go. No, that's, that's not it. You need to do your research. If you were to go climb a 14er, you would want to know, you know, roughly the terrain, the direction to get up to the top. You would want to, and by the way, 14er means 14,000 feet above sea level. That's what we call a 14er. You're going to look at how to pack, what you need, who needs to know that you're going to go, what location devices might you need in case something goes wrong. You're going to have to do some research. So that's step, that's thing number one. Step number one, do your research. Number two, be optimistic. Prepare for it to be hard, but know that you can handle whatever challenges you face, but that you'll get there. Give yourself permission to focus on how great it can be and anything else that comes along in the path, you can handle it. Number three, when going into uncharted territory, use your strengths because we all have them in different areas. And if you don't feel like you know what your strengths are, sit down with the people that love you and ask them. Have the conversation. Tell them that you want to try something new, but you're not sure what you're really good at. And sit down with people that you really love and trust and have the conversation and help them tell you what your strengths are. Number four, preparation is key. Not to the point that it holds you back. I mean, you don't want to plan for a whole year to start a new class or to do something small. But a little preparation goes a long way. I like to say that that 5% planning and 95% action, that 5% planning is really critical. But anything more than that becomes a hindrance to progress. So I try not to do that. Plan as much as you need to, but then prepare the people around you and your tribe that you're going to take action. So you have those people in your corner. So here's what we've done so far. We've done our research. We've shifted our mindset to be optimistic. We've identified our strengths and we've gotten prepared. And then from there, number five, be okay with the possibility that you might fail because things are not going to go according to plan. It may not be perfect the first time around. It may not be perfect at all. There may be a huge downside. There may be sacrifices needed, but that's okay. That's where optimism comes in. It's okay to stop and consider But the worst thing that could possibly happen when you take this risk, because again, risk means you don't know what the outcome is. Acknowledge what that might look like. And it's going to make it feel a little less scary to you, even though you really can't predict all of the things that could happen when doing something that's really risky. You can prepare yourself that there might be challenges. And for small things that you do and the small things we talk about like classes or making new friends or trying something new or stepping just into something different in your life, there really isn't going to be a lot of downside other than maybe you don't like it. In that case, what's stopping you? But know that there will be ups and downs when you do something that carries a big risk. There is no real loss. You win or you learn. Bumps in the road will happen. Acknowledge it up front and embrace it. Know that that is a total possibility and that that's not the end. If you get knocked down, just get up again. And if you get knocked down again, get up again and again and again. Because that's what it means to be willing to take a risk is know that you're going to take a few knocks, but you're still going to find your way back up to upright again. Number six, you have to be flexible. You might have an amazing plan. You've done your research. You, you're, you're out to win it. You're optimistic. You've know, you know what your strengths are. You've gotten prepared as much as you can. And you become okay with the possibility that it might fail. 
So along with that, be prepared to be flexible. That's how you minimize the risk. Anything that carries a big risk is not a one-time shot. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So be flexible as you need to change your path because things might change. And you cannot always know the outcome, but you can stay on the course and allow flexibility to help you grow and course correct when needed. I like to say that the path from A to Z is like the most winding path possible. If you set a goal that carries risks and you know that Z is the end goal and you're starting at A, there is no such thing as a straight path to get there. It doesn't work that way. Just not how life is. That's why it's called risky because you can't predict the exact outcome. You don't know how you're going to get there, but that's okay. If you're flexible, you're going to go with those turns and curves and you're going to get up when you get knocked down and you might have to adjust your plan a little, but it doesn't mean that you have to stop. And my last piece of advice is do it again. Find something new and risky and do it again. Living the most fulfilling life be, means being willing to take risk. So find your way into new places and new opportunities and do new things because I promise you when you do, it will lead you to so much more fulfillment and joy and growth as a person. And you know, I always end the show by telling you to go be fierce. And this is what I mean. Do that risky thing in life or in your career. Take that step. Use your courage. And you will find such great strength and joy when you do. And I'm telling you, it's not going to be easy. (laughs) Nothing is easy. Nothing that's really tremendously life-changing is easy. But you can't get there if you're not willing to take a little bit of risk. I hope this helped you look at things a little differently today. And this has absolutely been on my mind so much since I started my company because often on a daily basis, I'm thinking about the new area that I plan to grow and the risk that that might have. And I'm willing to do it because I know that I'm going to learn. I might fail, but I'm going to learn and I'm going to keep growing. And for all of my people and lions listening to this, this was a really personal story for me to share. And many of you will remember it. And, you know, we loved each other then and we love each other now. And life has been amazing. And so many of you are still such a really big piece of my heart and a part of my journey. And I just wanted to say that I love all you guys, my lions people. So Wherever you're listening to this, please join in on the conversation. Add your comments on the ladieschitchatclub.com. You know how to reach me, Taverly at corporatecauseagency.com or social media. It's Taverly, T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E. Listen, with a name like that, you can always find me on social media. So my friends today, I want to tell you again to go out and be fierce and find something new and risky to get started in.